Hi, I'm Joel Applebaum, Chief Content Officer for ERMI. And in this podcast, you're going to learn about something we all say a lot here at ERMI. In today's world, many industries like construction, agriculture, and others have significant transportation exposures. And I'm very pleased to have here as our podcast guest today, Liz Morrison, an attorney at law for Hall, Booth, and Smith. Hi, Liz. Thanks for being with us today to talk about your insights and experiences as a trucking attorney. Thank you for having me, Joel. Excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. So, Liz, we really appreciate you making the time to do this podcast for us. We always try to bring important topics in the agricultural insurance world to our audience. And, you know, this is a big thing where a lot of industries have this intersection like trucking and agriculture being one example. So told the audience you're a partner with Hall, Booth and Smith, and you stood out to our trucking and experts as kind of a standout in the crowd at the conference because you were one of the few female trucking attorneys, to be honest. And, you know, there were over 300 attorneys at that last conference we were at. So can you maybe just help our listeners and understand, give a little background about yourself and exactly what you do for your firm? Sure. So I'm actually a first-generation lawyer. I'm originally from a small town in the foothills of North Carolina. I went to school in North Carolina, then I moved to Washington, D.C. for a couple years, uh, worked in architecture uh, in the marketing department, then decided I wanted to go to law school. And I attended law school in Charleston and, of course, never left because it's beautiful here. So I've now been practicing law for about my 10th year of practice. And uh, I started out working for a small shop in downtown Charleston. And in 2017, I joined Hall Booth Smith. Hall Booth Smith is a 300 plus full service law firm headquartered in Atlanta. I'm in Charleston, which is the only office in South Carolina. The firm has got uh, a transportation and trucking group in addition to an agribusiness group. We also have environmental land use in your general litigation, including anything from medical malpractice to uh, anything you can think of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so when I joined the firm in 2017, I had previous trucking and transportation experience. But actually, my first case was on the plaintiff side. But when I joined HBS in, in 2017, I was put in this group and I've just gotten a really good opportunity of representing you know, the national companies you've heard of versus little small mom and pop outfits. Sometimes it's the trucking company. Sometimes it's the chassis leasing company. It can be really anybody. And so one of the fun things about working at HBS also is we have something known as a rapid response team, which really means that companies can call us night and day. Uh, if they need accident preservation or any assistance um, when there is a you know a really serious accident, we can go out there, arrange a team to preserve the scene and, and help them in the event of litigation. Awesome. So I guess it doesn't matter if you spill chickens on the road or you know some pollution, accident preservation and preserving the facts always an important thing. And sounds like your firm has experience in agribusiness and transportation, and we feel like that you know there's good bit of crossover and I would I would love an example of that in your from your own experience. So what we've been seeing a lot lately is the crossover is is that especially from the transportation side is the federal motor carrier safety regulations 
you're only as a trucking company required to hold $750,000 in liability insurance. So, and most people just carry a million. So what that means is if you have a terrible accident on, you know, the interstate I-95 or something like that, $750,000 is probably not going to compensate everybody. So what you're seeing is, is attorneys are going to look to the chain. Who's the, you know, who's the broker? Who's the shipper? Who loaded what? You know, is there some way we can attack or bring in someone who's liable who participated in the chain of, of getting goods from point A to point B? And so that's now starting to put shippers on the hook, people who have a product, including someone in the agricultural business. So it, it's a new trend. It's a developing trend. Not uh, the law is very unclear on how successful it's going to be. But it's important to prepare for when this might happen and make sure that you've taken steps to insulate or protect yourself from liability. Oh, wow. Yikes. <laughs> you know, in, in that scenario, the importance of contracts and how well or not they are written really seems to matter. And I think I've, I've seen that, too, you know, especially with, you know, maybe larger commercial farms or other things. If you, as a shipper, you could be dragged in. As a, the broker in the in a truck broker, you could be dragged in, and you really have to make sure not only to have the contractual liability coverage, uh, you know, covered there, but also the insurance coverage that follows it. That's something you know we're going to be discussing at our upcoming transportation conference. But I think it's relevant to many many audiences. How might better contracting have helped in that last scenario you, you gave? Can you touch on that for us? Right. And it's kind of what you just sort of said. I mean, it's very important to insulate yourself from liability in as many ways as possible. And the very first thing to make sure of is, is that you have a strong indemnity, indemnity agreement. And when you're negotiating with your, be it your brokers, your vendors, anyone who's transporting your goods somewhere, make sure that there is nothing that in your dealings or in your contracts or communications that someone in the future could use to kind of create a principal agency relationship. Because really what it comes down to in most of these cases, not all, is they're trying to prove control you know, from the guy driving the truck to the person at the top of the chain. That's the, so it's all about kind of insulating yourself from that liability, having distinct defined roles of everybody in this process. And, you know, then also um, make sure that they're going to also put that second level in, which is make me an additional insured under your liability policy and give me a copy of that policy. Because a lot of times it might be in the contract, but then the lawsuit comes around and they forgot to tell their agent. <laughs> and then you're still stuck um, having to be involved in this case, even if it might be a baseless claim, because the people who are supposed to indemnify you did not also take the second step to make sure that you're an insured under their policy. Yeah, I think what I have seen in this case is sometimes you need to involve your insurance broker <laughs> in these conversations to make sure you have the, the proper coverage and you're protected from what your contract says. And, you know, 
even then it's it is really important to understand coverage that's provided so that's really some good thoughts and i know you know in some instances truck brokers can be named in a suit for something going wrong in the whole supply chain of event and pulled into a claim for indemnification purposes but potentially could also then be ruled out so then they're as an additional insured they don't owe a defense <laughs> what would you suggest on this is there is there coverage for this and and, and what does it look like well so that kind of goes back to you said that yeah the trucking broker that's where they kind of get involved is if they arranged for the company who's um, delivering the goods mm-hmm. and so normally that's kind of where we're going up the chain of do you have an indemnification agreement between the trucking company and the broker? And and typically you should. And so that way it should kind of all flow downstream. It's almost like a product's liability situation. But separately, what the problem could then be is there's also a way an insurance broker could potentially get involved in a situation like this, especially if they are not necessarily knowledgeable about your business or the industry and perhaps place coverage with you that's actually not covering what what you've asked for or what you need and what your requirements are. And so, for instance, I'm sure there are scenarios, especially in agribusiness, where something might be under just a commercial general liability policy or an automobile policy. It's all going to kind of depend on on what, what the circumstances are what actually happened? Were were you somehow involved in the transport or was it something just in the management? If you don't have the right coverage, then you're going to be in a pickle. Also, you know, what if the transport is refrigerated goods or hazardous, hazardous materials and you don't have an endorsement for that, then you're going to be exposed. So what it's important is to, you know, be communicating with your insurance broker and your agents, make sure they know what your needs are what your industry requirements are again you know talking about minimum coverage again that's more in the for the trucking companies but if you also have a trucking outfit and are considered a motor carrier you need to make sure that your broker understands that and so it's really important to review your insurance coverage annually with your agents and brokers make sure to ask questions if you don't understand something in your policy because if you've communicated clearly what you want and they did not get you that, then there is your your recourse is against these agents and insurance brokers is negligent procurement, which is you were supposed to get place me this coverage and you didn't. I'm exposed. So your, you know, your errors and omissions policy should be covering me. Of course, this is then also balanced on, you know, especially in South Carolina, there's inherent duty on an insured to read their policy, know what it says. And so again, that's why it's important to ask questions and make sure that you are communicating what you need in your policies. Yeah, absolutely. We have a transportation risk insurance specialist certification and also one for agriculture, agricultural and farm insurance specialists. And in both of those, we have this big, you know, segment about contractual risk transfer, understanding it. And and the ideal thing is, is where there's insurance coverage or an, a, a way to manage risk, we, we wanna share that, right? And we don't want there to be gaps. Um, you know, we're, we're, sometimes we're almost trying to keep you out of work, right? We don't want someone <laughs> to have to <laughs> engage with an attorney 
But when these things that you're giving great advice on happen, that's that can be the result. So I, I think these are some really good thoughts. And the other thing, I, mean, I think you mentioned minimum minimum limits. We're seeing a lot of social inflation and nuclear verdicts playing out in claims these days. And I'm just wondering what you've seen in your experience. What do you think? Why do you think we're seeing so much of this? Because I, I could definitely see a quality firm like yours being involved in, in some of these situations. You're absolutely correct. We are very, I don't want to say lucky, but we work very hard. So we do a, a achieve a lot of defense verdicts. But, you know, COVID happened. So the court shut down. Things did not happen for about probably 18 months, depending on what state you're in, might be longer, might have been shorter. And what we notice is, is once the courthouses opened back up and there were jury trials post-COVID, the verdicts just were insane. It just seems like that people associated COVID with businesses now being flush with cash and thinking that corporations have a lot of money. So you see verdicts in the millions, even when damages are minimal. And before COVID, you saw very reasonable verdicts based on the injuries sustained by the plaintiff. But there's really been this shift, especially with corporate or businesses, not so much individuals, where juries now also seem more focused on punishing a defendant rather than compensating plaintiffs, too. And of course, a lot of this has to do with the tactics that plaintiff's attorneys have been cultivating over the last decade. I think it probably more than that. It probably began with the the reptile theory that they all like to tout, but it's it's evolved more too to just talk about, you know, social good and and protecting people and protecting the the greater good. And so there's just been this shift in what fair means to a jury. Now, again, all this is to say we're, we're recording this in 2023, COVID, we, we got past COVID from a from a courthouse standpoint in 2021. So we've seen a lot of multi-million dollar verdicts, but again, it, it could be a blip, but it also could be an emerging trend. I guess, I don't know how much time has to pass before you call it a, a blip versus a trend, but it's definitely nuclear verdicts are a lot more and claims um, have really increased since COVID. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think it's probably a little bit more than a blip just watching it over my career. And, you know, we, we have a term for judicial spots that are particularly nasty. <laughs> but um, it, it certainly is something, you know, to look out for. And I, and I think, you know, transportation law is, you know, a, kind of a highly specialized area. And what would you advise, you know, people who, you know, say you have a farm or you have a construction company where you're, you're shipping goods, would you say, you know, is situational knowledge important? Should they seek professionals in this area? What, what, what advice do you have for them? I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's like having a knowledgeable insurance agent. It's just also so important to have an attorney that has knowledge about your industry. And Again, I've been very fortunate to work for a firm with a lot of knowledgeable and experienced people um, over a bunch of different practice groups. And there really can be a lot of nuance based on the type of goods that you are transporting. I think this is kind of the best example I can think of is we were representing a logging company who was involved in, a, in an accident on a highway, kind of a small town. And 
one of the allegations of uh, of negligence was that the truck was overweight. And so a lot of times in trucking litigation, you just point to a violation to try to, you know, beef up the, the claims of negligence. But however, we were able to get that cause of action thrown out because the accident happened during a hurricane. So at which point there had been a state of emergency, which had suspended certain weight requirements for, for the logging industry. So a, a normal person might not know that, but someone who's familiar with the industry and going, okay, well, when did this happen? Well, what kind of things might have applied or not applied? So that definitely significantly lowered the exposure to the client and it, it helped really resolve the case for a lower settlement value because you don't have this potential punitive aspect to the accident anymore. Great. This is all great information, Liz. I really appreciate it. Lastly, I'd like to touch on safety and company procedures. What are your thoughts on procedures, written safety programs for shippers in general, right? Whether you're shipping honey across the country, logs, <laughs> Well, I think it's just always important to know what the industry standards are, where what you're within. Because so like, like again, I, I'm sorry, I keep going back to trucking, but, you know, the trucking has the FMCS, F, FMCSRs, which those establish, those are your industry standards. Those are the federal requirements for the industry. So a lot of companies will choose, okay, well, we're going to put those in writing and adopt that as our safety program. And then other companies go, you know what, we're going to treat those regulations as the floor not the ceiling, and adopt more stringent rules. But the problem is it's almost like a damned if you do, damned if you don't scenario, because if you do create a, a higher standard and then your employees are found in violation of your enhanced requirements, but not necessarily the applicable regulations, you've kind of put yourself in a situation where you could be judged negatively for that. And another pitfall is if you adopt a safety program for example, what if you ha say we're going to have video cameras or dash cam in all of our trucks for so we can monitor our drivers, but you say, hey, driver, you don't have to turn it on because, again, the regulations don't require it. But if you do, we'll give you a bonus. So you're creating now a situation where if somebody doesn't have it on, have you now kind of given fodder to the other side to say, so, you know, what was the point of this process? You're just giving them, you know, you're giving your drivers or your employees a way around it. And again, it's just not a great look. So it can backfire with the jury and just create an issue of negligent supervision, which is also one of the most common causes of action against the company, maybe where there would not have been one. So it's it's really just important to know what are your regulations? And, you know, if you go above and beyond, then you might just be creating a problem that that didn't exist. Yeah, many insurance carriers have safety departments and I understand the problem that you just, you know, presented and I think one of the things is consistent enforcement can can help you and, and you know, I think many insurance carriers and agents can work together uh, to help you put in place safety uh, regulations that will, you know, save lives and livelihoods, and that may outweigh some of the potential setbacks in the, in the event of a claim. But it is definitely an interesting dynamic and one, you know, you shouldn't just play around with, right? And I, I know, you know, from Ermi's standpoint, we talk about OSHA regulations or, you know, the federal standards for motor carriers. Many times those are the 
very minimum standards. There's much more you could do, which actually could be a return on investment to your, your company. So it matters who you're doing business with, what safety programs they have, both from whoever's shipping your stuff, if you're an ag, or who your insurance carrier business partners are. So yeah, I, I think we are looking for experts all around because it's a complicated business. And I want to thank you for sharing the great insight and wisdom on on trucking and definitely from you know your unique standpoint and your experience, which I think is awesome. For more topical information like this, Everyone, it's not too late to register for the 2023 Ermi Transportation Risk Conference in Dallas. It's June 5 through 7. So go look on ermi.com and join us on the 5th through the 7th in Dallas. We guarantee you will come away with knowledge that will help you do a better job and also bring even more value to your company. So thanks for joining us today, Liz. Thank you so much for having me, Joel. Okay, and thanks to everyone for listening.